Hello and welcome to this week's episode of That Brooklyn Film Show. This week's episode is going to be a little bit different. Um, me and Jabari are just going to talk a little bit about the things we've been watching in any medium or playing, because I know Jabari, you're a gamer, so you have, may have a game recommendation. Um, and then we'll get into a little bit of spoilers about the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, that came out a couple of months ago, but it's about to get released on DVD. So hopefully you've seen it by now, but we'll just get a little bit more to our thoughts like we mentioned in the last episode. So Jabari, what have you been watching Wait, recently? Give it two seconds so I can know where to cut. So Jabari, what have you been watching recently or what has caught your attention in terms of like media? Well, lately I've been mostly watching, so I've been watching a lot of, I don't know if on the last episode, it wasn't the last episode, but the episode we did the Batman. Did I talk mm-hmm. to you about how I was watching a lot of Batman animated films? I think we like, I think I think that spurred it. So I think you told me about it after we recorded the episode. So I don't think we talked about it in the episode. Okay. Yeah. So lately I've been watching a lot of Batman animated movies, Superman 2, Justice League, just DC. Like HBO Max has like all the DC movies. So I've just kind of been going through them. Um, I kind of gained a new found appreciation for Superman watching it. Because I was never the biggest fan of Superman. Mm-hmm. But I will say that, you know, watching his past couple movies, there's just kind of like a... Uh, a charm to his, I would say, naivete and hope that I kind of like, especially after going through a ton of Batman stuff, which is kind of more way, way darker. Yeah, way darker, way um, you know, way more pessimistic than Superman stuff, which is a lot more optimistic. Um, the good guys always wins. Lex Luthor is such a whack villain, though. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, it's basically capitalism versus the human form of God. It's like I don't. Yeah. I, I don't get it. It's, it's like. like yeah. It's like he's a better villain for Batman than he is for Superman because it's just like, I don't know, Apple versus Amazon at that point, like Wayne Enterprise versus LexCorp. But Superman is just like, you're a, you're a man who literally could move the sun and your biggest um, enemy is is a CEO of a company. Like, I just don't get it. But yeah, I've been watching a lot of... Uh, I was going to say, I guess if you have like all of the money in the world, then you can afford to buy the kryptonite to try and defeat your enemy. You can look at it that way. Um, yeah, that's kind of what it is. It's like Lex Luthor's really smart, so he always finds a way to kind of, kind of like how Batman does. You know how Batman always has his contingencies and stuff like that. Lex is kind of the same way where he has the contingencies on how to beat Superman, but he's just yeah. a cornball. He's not as cool as Bruce Wayne or Batman. He's just kind of like mad because Superman is stronger than him and he's bald. Like <laughs> it's just it's so corny. Hair, like, or I guess lack of hair his lack of hair. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of DC shows um, and movies. I'm going to try to catch up on actually the Clone Wars because I saw the first two episodes of Obi-Wan. Um, I'm not going to spoil it. I think it's okay so far. Um, the second episode was kind of whack. The first episode was good. I, See, I, Sorry, I'll let you get your thoughts out. I kind of disagree. I mean, I disagree. I think that you needed the second episode for the first episode to kind of grab you into the next week. I feel like the first episode was kind of like a reintroduction, but nothing really happened. And then the um, second episode is where you started getting action a little bit more. Yeah. So I feel like you kind of needed to be a package deal release schedule kind of thing. I don't disagree with you. I get what you're saying, but I don't know. I just, there were some of the scenes like third sister and her parkour that was so unnecessary. <laughs> and I'm not a big fan of the little actress, the little actress, <laughs> the little girl actress. I guess she's a little actress too, but yeah, I'm just it's 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 okay so far. Like I'm not in love with the show, but it's only two episodes. Um, I'm enjoying it. 
So that made me kind of want to watch the Clone Wars because you know how the Clone Wars ties so heavily into this portion of the Star Wars or Order 66 and whatnot. So I'm looking forward to watching that. Um, I've been watching... Oh, I just want to HBO Max a lot. Um, I've been watching Infinity Train. Um, I'll talk about that one after you list some of your show. No, let me just knock it out now. So I've been watching Infinity Train, which I don't know if you've ever seen the show. It's I actually the really season. good. Yeah. You're on season four? No, I saw the first season. And oh, you saw the first season. Of season two as well. I love that show. It's like one of my favorite Cartoon Network shows ever. Um, it's just a really creative show. It utilizes... It's pretty dark for a Cartoon Network show, but I think it's also just really creative. One thing I like about it is that you have the traditional story arc, which is, you know, you have the beginning, middle, end. You have the introduction, the climax, and then the resolution. What this show does a lot is it starts at the climax of a... like So you know how each car in Infinity Train has like its own world and own adventure? Mm-hmm. What I love about this show is that they'll start at the climax of when they're finishing another car. And then a lot of the show takes places in between the transitions of cars. And that's unique. It's like you could see that, oh, they just had a crazy adventure where they're like, oh, thank you for saving my kid. All right, bye. And you're like, what What happened? Because we didn't see it. But it's like just a unique way of retelling a story okay. because we're so used to beginning, middle, end, climax, da da da, da. And I kind of like the fact that, oh, what if you start a show that's like, like imagine a show where you're like, you're driving from adventure to adventure, but the only thing we see is them in the car. So it's just kind of unique in that sense where it's 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 deconstructing some of the storytelling aspects that I like. Like in season two. Like, I, oh, sorry. Let me finish. I was thinking it's kind of like this idea of, um, I don't know if you ever heard like Sonder, not the artist, but like the idea that you look at a person and they have like their own complete full lives yeah. without you in it. So like you're entering in the middle of their story, so they're already at the climax of their story, but you're still kind of. Well, hopefully not the climax. Journey. That means they're they're at the end, or they're close to the end. Or, but I get what you're saying. I mean, close to the end of like maybe you saw them solving the problem that they're going through. So maybe they already had like their discovery of self, and all of these things have happened to them already, and now it's kind of like okay, you saved them, but your story's still not finished. So you got to give the kid back to their parents and still go through the rest of the train, or however. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It's kind of like everyone's the main character to their own story. And you're just a side character in their story. I think people who tend to be um, a little bit more self-involved is when they think they're the main characters to everyone's story. As opposed to you knowing that, hey, not to get into like a whole philosophical conversation, but sometimes it's okay to not be thought about in a sense because everyone has their own problems. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what, I don't know if you remember Mirror Tulip in Infinity Train, when she went to the mirror car and then she had herself, her reflection come out. Mm-hmm. All of season two is about Mira Tulip trying to separate herself from regular Tulip. And it's interesting because you think that Mira Tulip is just a side character who, oh, this is an interesting story. She's helped her reflection escape the reflecting world. And usually that's where a show ends with that character. But this show then dedicates a whole season to a side character that you wouldn't think about ever again. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of just showing how different people have their own lives going on and doing their own thing. So I think that's what I really enjoy about it. uh, The movie Waves. That yeah, came out a couple years ago, yeah. a few years ago, where it's like you follow the brother for part of it, and throughout it, it's like the sister is just, you know, in the background. She's there here and there, and then you know what happens happens, and then you shift, and it's about her. So it's kind of like okay, yeah, for him she's the side character, but then for her he's the side character. So it's kind of like you're only the main character in your own life. You're not mm-hmm. every for everyone else. You're kind of just like existing. Yeah, to them like you don't think about the impact of his decisions on the rest of his family. Most movies would have ended 
there or something like that, or he'll be like, I'm sorry, but or in that movie, they wanted to show, yeah, and this, they would have, like, went into a historian jail and how that impacted him and stuff, because that stuff still goes on. Mm-hmm. What a good writer does is that they make you realize that when a character, it's kind of like, you know how, like, the sun revolves, the earth revolves around the sun, and not the sun revolving around the earth? A good writer makes you realize that even though this character exists in the world, the world still goes on without him. Versus it feels like everything stops when the character is not interacting with them. I feel like that's what a bad story does. It's like, okay, it feels like no one else has any kind of agency when you're not around. There was a movie that we actually talked about that recently. Yeah, I forget what we were talking about. We talked about a movie where the character didn't have a lot of agency when when they weren't in the story. But a good story, say, even Lord of the Rings, it feels like, you know, the world continues to go on when... Frodo and them aren't there. Like, they still have to, you know, wake up every morning and farm, and they're still having their parties. Because when they got back, it was like, oh, wow, where you been? We were still, you know, living our Good hobbit life. lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what good world building does. It's like the world continues to go on. So, yeah, I've been watching um, Infinity Train. Really good show. I would recommend it to anyone. Um, I'm going to get started on Primal again. I need to finish that show. That's an animation, so just, right? Yeah, that's an animated show. Of another Cartoon Network show. Maybe by the guy who made Samurai Jack. So, yeah, I've been watching a lot of animations. I'm going to catch up on Love, Death, and Robots. Video games, there haven't been anything out. That's why I'm watching so many shows right now. Because there's just not much to play. So, a lot of my time is dedicated to catch up on TV. Um, I need to catch up on some anime. I'm not really watching anything right now. I watched JoJo's Bizarre... I'm watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, you know, it's, it, I'm only like four episodes in, so I can't really say much about it. Um, it's a show that has like a lot of memes, so... I kind of get the yeah. memes, but I don't really know the show. And I finished Doctor Stone again, maybe about a week ago. That was like one of my binge shows. It's a Is it's that a good show. Available subtitled? No, it's dubbed too on Funimation, but I think Funimation's ending soon, so you gotta watch it on Crunchyroll. Okay. Yeah, yeah I thought about watching it after I started you watching it, and then I went to HBO yeah. Max and it was like subtitles. It's like, a pretty lighthearted show. Right it's kind of like a, a a gag show. So it's a lot of jokes and stuff, but it's very science oriented. It's a good, it's a decent show. Like, I wouldn't expect to go in, don't go in expecting, like, 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 spirited away level drama and stuff like that. It's just, you know, a fun show that's good to play in the background. Yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much what I've been watching right now. Yeah, I think I'm looking forward to the most is Love, Death, and Robots because of the whole, um, episode that everyone keeps sharing with the little dancing person coming out the water. I don't know if you saw that, mm-hmm. but yeah, I want to watch it to see what's up. One thing I will say is that it seems like a lot of them are 3D animations now, and I kind of personally always preferred 2D, 2D. like cartoon style animations versus the 3D animation. But isn't that the whole? I mean, I, don't, I haven't seen a lot of the episodes. I've seen kind of like some of the ones you showed me. But isn't mm-hmm. the whole thing that a lot of the animation in Love, Death, and Robots is kind of that 3D? A lot of them. They have some that are 2D animations. My favorite tend to be the 2D animation ones, mm-hmm. but because 3D animation is getting easier to do and it's cheaper to make now, because you know. You know, you have all the pro yeah. how animation is made on programs and stuff like that. There's so many free programs to work on, and if you know how to pro, if you know how to animate, it's easier to do that than to have to draw every single frame and do it that way. So I think it's just easier to do 3D animation at this point. So that's why a lot of them do it. But it kind of fits the theme of you know the more sci-fi settings that they always have in Love, Death, and Robots. But I think that the better ones have always been the 2D animation ones, in my opinion. Um, cool. I did want to comment on 
you watching Clone Wars because I watched that at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. I would say watch that and Rebels. Both of them are very good. I think Rebels takes place after the Obi-Wan series. Maybe around, yeah, I think after the Obi-Wan series. Um, but they're both really good. I was like, the first season of Clone Wars is a little bit weird, as in like they don't show it. The story isn't really in order until like the later season. So I would Google like, how to watch Clone Wars and then watch it in that order because I feel like it makes the viewing experience better when you're kind so of so watch it in the chronological order, not in the release order. Not in the release order, yeah. Okay. Because it makes the story makes more sense when you do that, and then as you get into like past, I think season one and two, maybe it just goes in chronological order, so it doesn't really matter anymore. But the first season, I feel like, is the worst, kind of not bad, like still very good, but like not the highest uh, season either. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then maybe I'll catch up on Infinity Train. I kind of watched it and stopped. It's um, a good show. I think you should. It's like another background show, and each yeah. episode is like twelve minutes. It's easy to get through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I've also been watching Obi Wan. I just watched an episode today during lunch. Um, I think it's pretty. I mean, I enjoy it for what it is. I think like I'm hoping that the pacing pacing is fine because. I feel like with the Disney Plus shows, there's always pacing issues in that they have um, only six episodes, and then it kind of feels like the first two or three, not much happens, and then they're trying to pack a ton of stuff into episodes um, three through six. So, um, or sorry, four through six, so I'm hoping that that doesn't happen. I feel like the third episode stuff did happen, though, so hopefully that won't be what's going on. So yeah, those are like my thoughts on Obi-Wan. Also, I I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but the um, Star Wars people released like a statement talking about the racism happening to the actress playing the third sister. Yeah, I didn't see any. I don't, because I'm off social media, I'm kind of disconnected from a lot of that stuff. So you could update me about what's going on there. Yeah, see, that's, that's good. I should get off social media soon. Um, but essentially, you know, it's the stereotypical oh, black people don't belong in anywhere that's not Earth kind of thing. We can deal with aliens and we can deal with droids and we can deal with purple people, but God forbid a black person exists, then we have to um, start being racist towards a person, the actress playing the character or the actor playing the character. So they were pretty much like, just stop being racist. And so do you know if Third Sister existed before this Obi-Wan so. show? A new character. Because I know about the sisters, I know about the what do they call the Inquisitors or something I know like that. Inquisitors, because they're in the Rebels. Yeah. So the Inquisitors existed before, but I think the third sister is a brand new character. Yeah. And also, I just feel like people are like her character is terrible. Which I didn't love her character in the first two episodes. I do want to know where she found a braider in a galaxy far, far away because her braids are like on point. But um, I do think also people don't give things time, so it's kind of like I'm. 90% sure she was probably one of those younglings from the Order 66 vision. So yeah. it's like, okay, you're going to learn more about her backstory as it goes on, obviously. So there's no, and also there's a difference between people who don't love her character and people who are racist. And if you're saying, well, I didn't like her character, when people say, like, don't be racist, I feel like there's something deeper going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Obi-Wan so far, it's been, um, it's been good. I hope it gets better, but I've been enjoying it for what it is. Um, uh, I would say that one thing I do like is I always, I always feel the Inquisitors like I know they're like the biggest jerks in the Star Wars verse because their job is literally to kill Jedi, but there's something cool about them. Like I always thought the Inquisitors were just kind of cool. Um, 
when she just cut off that woman's hand and she was chatting, I was like, yeah. that's something. It's like, I'm showing you that oh, we're not playing around right here. Yeah, exactly. But one thing, I like the Clone Wars design of the, uh, what's his name again? The main Inquisitor dude? The Grand like the Inquisitor. Head. The Grand Inquisitor. I like his design in that a little bit more. And Obi-Wan, his head is a little bit too big. <laughs> it bothers me. Like, I don't know if it's because of the wig cap. Head. And then the prosthetics don't help you. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the prosthetics. Cause it's kind of like mega mindish where it's like mm-hmm. kind of like oval I mean, shape. if you look at history, I don't want to type on my computers because it'll make too much background noise. But if you look at the um, image of him from Rebels, I think he has like a long head. Like kind of cone Yeah. That's like what I'm saying. It's kind of like long. Wide. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish they would have like, I mean, the outfits are cool. Like, I feel like they did a pretty good job. But I feel like they could have made it a look a little bit more inhuman than mm-hmm. what they did in the show. Because I feel like he still he just looks like a painted human. While in the Clone Wars, you could tell he's obviously an alien species. Yeah. So I kind of wish then, they made him look a little bit more inhuman. I agree. Because I think if you... I don't know if you watch Book of Boba Fett. I didn't really watch Book of Boba Fett. I watched him when he became Mandalorian in season 2.5. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had this character from... You'll meet in Clone Wars called uh, Cad Bane. And his... Um, his prosthetics look a lot more alien than like someone like the Grand Inquisitor. But yeah. I guess because the Grand Inquisitor is a little bit more humanoid, it's maybe like a fine line between getting like too alien and too human. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, but, but yeah, that's kind of it for like Obi-Wan. The next show I've been watching also on HBO, I've been watching not a lot of HBO Max, but some. It's called Legendary, um, which is like a ballroom show. Um, and they have like a bunch of houses compete to be like the winner of like the final ball or whatever. And it's on its third season. Um, now, so you have judges like Law Roach, who's like a stylist, Kiki Palmer, um, Laomi, Jamila Jamil, who doesn't really fit. And then like a guest judge. And I don't know. It's just kind of like a fun show. It's interesting to learn about ballroom culture. It definitely makes me want to watch Paris is Burning, which I've been wanting to watch for a while. You said so ballroom. I'm thinking like ballroom dancing. Oh, no, like. You mean like ballroom. the yeah LGBT scene yeah, ballroom kind of yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. I was just um, ballroom dancing. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, no, 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 not ballroom dancing. But it's interesting to see. And then like the season, the judges are way harsher than they were in the last few seasons, which makes it a lot more fun to watch. Um, so one of the judges, she's like an originator of like certain moves in ballroom and like a legendary, I think, performer is what it's considered. Um, and yeah she's just like house is a season like you're not living up to this show you're not living up to what ballroom is so if you're not going to do it right then i won't judge or if you're not going to do it right then i'm going to give you a four whereas last season like fours were unheard of um so i don't know i feel like it's a really interesting show it's like interesting to learn more about ballroom through the show um and i would i like it uh the next show i've been watching i'll switch it up to a non-reality show, then I'll go back to reality, is uh, Stranger Things Season 4, Part 1. Um, I kind of, like, binged that, when like, this weekend, or over the weekend. And I've been enjoying it. I do think that it's kind of, like, struggling with how to handle having so many characters as well as introducing new characters, because it feels like some characters from previous seasons kind of just got, you know very minor pointless storylines to see or maybe not pointless in the grand scheme of things which is very minor storylines compared to others because they separated everyone so everything that's like 
really interesting. It's either happening in Hawkins or happening to Eleven. And then you have this whole other group where things are happening to them. And then you have like the adults where things are happening to them, but you don't really care too much about the adult stories or the, um, you know, road trip side story either. You care about Eleven and Hawkins. So I think that's like a little bit of a issue with the season, but overall I feel like it's been really good. Like I'm normally not one for very long TV episodes. Like the last episode was hour and a half. That's a movie. Um, but I actually didn't mind it. I feel like it did help some. I do feel like they could have put back on other things, but it wasn't too bad. And the villain's interesting as well. Um, yes, I'm looking forward to when like the final two episodes come out, which again, they're supposed to be like two hour episodes of TV. These are movies. So my little, you know, it's a movie podcast. We're watching, I'm watching a movie. Um, yeah, I need to start watching more movies outside of the podcast in general because i don't know I'm, I'm a movie person like obviously i'm a movie person but i just don't really sit and watch movies oh i did watch the silent hill movie so i guess that counts the new one it was okay it wasn't too bad the old yeah. one the original one. Old one. Oh, okay okay it wasn't that bad oh i did yeah. watch i watched underworld recently too on like a rainy day that was i feel like less happened in that movie than i remember like i yeah. feel like in my head maybe i was thinking a lot like of setup the movies it was so much set up and then at yeah. the end it's like okay fight now and then like, that's yeah. it then the movie's over i was gonna watch like the one right after i feel like only the first two are good but they didn't have on hbo max they had like the one after after that um like the third one so yeah that's kind of like the another show i've been watching sorry i've been watching a lot of shows so i'm gonna go like through a few more and then a couple movies um i've been watching rupaul's drag race all-stars all winter season which is fun because essentially no one gets eliminated so you're kind of just watching people who are like very good at drag, be very good at drag for however many episodes there are, which I'm enjoying. So, um, so this season is like a season where it's just a competition, but there's no eliminations. Yeah, because I think it's I think they did it this way because it's like every other All Star season you have eliminations, or every other regular season you have eliminations. I think it's hard to eliminate a winner because you've already told them like, okay, you are the best of this yeah. season, you are like up the up there. So to eliminate someone is probably saying like, well, you're not as good as we thought. So how about we yeah. change the format because we all are so top tier, but we'll just say who's like the best of the best as opposed to who's like yeah. the worst, you know? Okay. Um, but I think it makes it more fun too, because you get to watch again, all of these people that you really like um, do drag for a while. I also saw the Bob's Burger movie yesterday, which I enjoyed as well. It was like a Bob's Burger episode, essentially longer. Um, you got a little bit more character development. Like, Luis got really good character development throughout the movie. Uh, we got to see Bob's mom for the first time, which was fun, because you never see her in the show. Um, I mean, the plot was, you know, it was like a show episode plot. They've kind of done something similar before. There's a murder they have to solve. The restaurant's about to close. How do they fix it? Um, the one complaint I have, which is the same complaint I have with the TV show, is that there should be less Teddy in it, because I think Teddy is a very annoying character. But I like Teddy. You like Teddy. He's just even he's like a good comedic. Season. He's like a good comedic character. I feel like in the later seasons there's just too much Teddy. I like Teddy in small pieces, but there's just like a lot of Teddy. Like, I feel like people like you are reason there's a lot of Teddy. I yeah probably. <laughs> I get what you're saying though, but Teddy has some really funny moments. He like, has I, funny I just kind of like I, know, I just I like his and Bob's interaction. Yeah. Yeah, I like Mort and. Also, I, I need t- Tina to love herself more because Jimmy Jr. is trash and she needs to find someone better than him. She's like but, 13. 
Like, you're not going to find the love of your life in the the high value man at 13. Like he's, he's a 13 year old. Kevin Samuel. <laughs> I mean, that's that's, that's the that point. Kind of podcast. <laughs> not only I only use that phrase like in joking terms, but mm-hmm. yeah, like I don't want to start preaching. <laughs> But yeah, you're not gonna find like your perfect match at 13. So I'm not, I'm not mad at her for having a crush on Jimmy Junior right now. He treats her so badly; it makes me so mad. Yeah. Um, but and yeah, you're th- she's 13, so whatever. The last movie I want to talk about before we get into spoilers um, about everything, everywhere, all at once is a movie called The Worst Person in the World. Yeah, the last movie I want to talk about is The Worst Person in the World, which is a Swedish movie. Um, coming of age story about like a young woman finding herself and it kind of goes through like different romantic relationships she's in so like the first one she's dating this like much older or older guy and she's like in her mid-20s um, and it just kind of shows like the different phases of life they're at and then you kind of see her like explore and kind of be more destructive and then she kind of finds her way back to this guy but it's at like a, a lower place in his life and it kind of just shows like the growth of who you are when you're trying to like find yourself. So she goes through her career, she goes through different men, she goes through like all of these different things throughout the movie. And I feel like it's just interesting to learn um, about this character and like about her life and just kind of like seeing how you evolve while you're in like your your mid, you know, to late twenties. Okay. I'm gonna have to check that movie out. Where is it? Where did you watch it? Uh, in the movie theater, but I think it's streaming oh, now yeah. on like um, Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Prime for like ninety nine cent to rent. So, quick question: Do you know if the Northman is streaming yet? I don't think so. Okay, I don't want to. Yeah, watch. Also I know the in. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'll just say I know everything everywhere all at once is streaming. I was actually thinking about buying the actual Blu Ray for that because yeah. I do want to start collecting Blu Rays, like getting a nice little Blu Ray collection. The thing is that I'm scared because it's like if I buy a Blu-ray, but then another format that's better comes out. But then again, it's like people who collect VHSs, they collect the VHSs because of the nostalgia factor. But it doesn't have the same nostalgia factor as like, oh, 20 years ago, I had 40 Blu-rays. I mean, I don't know why I sound like an old man in 20 years, but <laughs> but you get what I'm saying, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I only want to buy some Blu-rays, but I got to check that movie out. We're going to start to... Uh, get into a little bit of spoilers about everything everywhere all at once we talked about it in our last episode we kind of talked a little bit more high level um but now we can kind of talk about you know all the intricacies intricacies everything that went in the movie yeah um okay so jabari i guess you want to get into your spoiler thoughts um yeah so let's set it up what aspects of the spoilers you want to talk about do you want to get into spoilers Story spoilers or thematic spoilers first? Um, we can get into thematic spoilers right. first and then go into story spoilers. So I'll talk about the things that interested me the most as far as the thematic spoilers. I think the mother-daughter relationship between the two was one of the more unique mother-daughter relationships I've seen in the movie in a long, long, long time. Um, I'm trying to think of all like mother-daughter relationships that that spoke to me in the same way because you know i'm not a mother or a daughter but i can still kind of appreciate the relationships and aspects of the you know growing up and becoming your own person and trying to you know express yourself in ways that might be culturally different or you know different than what you were growing up used to 
And I think that, of course, this is a sci-fi extreme version of that. But that was kind of the main crux of the story. And then you had the... It's, the whole movie is about relationships. Yeah. And essentially. Like, you have some other cultural things in there and whatnot. But it's all, it comes down to relationships. And we all experience relationships in different way with certain family members, depending on our our relationship with them and whatnot. But everyone, every daughter has a mother. Every son has a father. Every son has a mother. And you might not know them, but there's going to be a relationship between y'all in some way. Mm-hmm. And this was a specific kind of relationship that you had an immigrant mother who put a lot of pressure on her daughter because of her own background and her coming to the country and trying to figure out things on her own, having to be tough. And then that kind of also bled into her husband. I actually really love the relationship she had with the husband and that whole end scene because in the end, you kind of just, you appreciated him in a sim. They did such a good job at like making you appreciate him so much in the end of the movie. And I don't remember a movie that made you appreciate a character that well in a long, long time. Yeah. I also would say another theme is kind of like failure. Uh, life failure, you know, like, and how the failing at things can kind of slowly chip away at who you are, but also getting exactly what you wanted might not necessarily be in the end exactly what you were looking for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think um, I kind of, can you expand on that a little bit more? I think I get what you mean, but like in what sense exactly? So she was in the, in the movie, she ended up being the best version to defeat Jobu Dubaki because she was yes. the worst version of herself. Yeah. But then in a reality where she seemed to like have everything she wanted, um, like the one where she was a movie star, you know, all of these like great things happened to her. There was one where she's a singer, like all these universes, but then she was missing having that hus- her husband with her or miss having her daughter. So essentially, even when she became like Jobu Dabaki's equivalent, she was like, I'm still going to choose this life with you. I could choose any other life. I could choose to be this movie star. I could choose to be, you know, have hot dog dog figures uh, in another place. I can choose to be a rock, but I want to be here in this moment with you, with my family, with my daughter, in the life where nothing went right. You know, supposedly nothing with right. To the extent of our other lives, some of them. Into the, yeah, but I'm still going to be here with you. So I kind of think mm-hmm. that's kind of like where I was thinking of the failure. Like I saw an interesting video where, or and they kind of say it in the movie too, where like the tax lady, she was like, I can write the story of your life just through these receipts. And mm-hmm. you can see in the receipts, there were kind of all different things she went to. She tried to buy a karaoke machine because she wanted to be a singer. She tried to buy this. She had she different hobbies. So she had different hobbies and different life paths that might have been her career. But she still ended up in the place that she was supposed to be in. So even though she was, again, technically the worst version of herself, that didn't necessarily matter. Or it did matter, but it wasn't like um, yeah, it wasn't like the worst thing in the yeah. world at the end of the day, you know? I think there was somewhat of a pessimistic theme to the movie in the sense that all right so you had like it, there, it ended in a at a high note but there was a lot of moments where it's like okay this movie is kind of hitting on a pessimistic note not in a bad way because you know optimism needs you need pessimism okay. sometimes in order to it's like you know toxic positivity like sometimes you need to hear the more pessimistic side mm-hmm. and 
I think this movie had some pessimistic themes to it in the sense that she was the quote unquote worst version of herself in a way that that how do I say it in a way that you didn't really go like oh um, I'm happy that you're here you're still like I understand why you'd want to better yourself like you had these hobbies that you couldn't complete and stuff like that because you're so focused on taking care of your father who didn't treat you right when you were younger your husband he literally said something about her being a disappointment when she was born yeah exactly like, that's insane and her husband like he was kind of aloof like some like they they were a balancing act but the balance didn't really help their relationship in a way like you know how he was good at talking to people and working with people and dealing with people that doesn't always work sometimes you do need to be the diligent person that gets stuff done and I think I she was like, the diligent person that got stuff done. But But I also feel like part of her being a failure that we kind of see in the movie is that she over time, you know, constant failure weigh, will weigh on you. So she over time stopped appreciating the things that she probably noticed when they were younger by her husband. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he could talk to people, that became more of an annoyance than a bonus. The fact that he could find fun in things became more something that she was annoyed by. She stopped appreciating something it. Something that she loved. She stopped appreciating it. And I'm sure, mm-hmm. like, the fact that her daughter was kind of probably a little flaky, you know, a little, didn't really want to do much, that probably annoyed her as well. So all of these things began to annoy her as opposed to um, her appreciating it. The, yeah, her appreciating it. And then I also think that one thing in the mother daughter relationship, and they talk about this in, in the movie, is that her daughter ends up being a lot like her. And I feel like she didn't necessarily like that about her mm-hmm. daughter because kind of like you can see all of, I don't want to say short, kind of shortcomings, but like a lot of your shortcomings in another literally physical person that exists that reflects you. And you might not necessarily want to see your reflection truly. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be another like complication in the relationship between her and her daughter. Yeah. But there's just the fact also her daughter, you know, she was like, a lesbian and all of that stuff and that's not culturally culturally acceptable yeah so she was like i accept it but we don't want to upset your your grandfather kind of thing Mm -hmm. Um, but when the grandfather found out he ended up being fine with it but it was kind of like her her making assumptions probably based off of her own experiences with her father plus her own experience with her culture that made her say like no we can't do this yeah um and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that the the daughter character, obviously, she ends up being like the main villain, or however. Um, but I also want to get into like the whole donut is it nihilism? Is it depression thing? Um, is a little bit of both kind of thing. Can you have like nihilism without having that? So I was actually about to talk about that next when I was saying that this movie kind of has a pessimistic. Also, I said donut. I mean, theme to it, but go ahead. Yeah, bagel donut. I mean, it's the same thing. What's the difference between a donut and a bagel? Like one's more dense, I guess. One savory. Yeah. You got a savory donut though, but it's like it's, it's, it's a hot dog or taco, or is it a sandwich? Like I don't know. Yeah. But um, so yeah, I um, I think it's a pessimistic movie. Like I do think that it's one of those movies where I can see that why it could make someone hopeless. Mm-hmm. But I think that. Sometimes that message of nothing matters is kind of important to navigating life. Because, all right, you know that, you know, we're both people that suffer from anxiety, right? And 
sometimes anxiety is that everything in that moment matters a lot. Sometimes you have to tell yourself that it's not really a big deal. Like, why am I stressing over this little thing that doesn't really matter too much? So yeah. for someone like me, that meant a lot. Whereas, like, there are a million and a half possibilities where you, where you, um, you're going to mess up at every step of your life. But then there's going to be possibilities where you might be the most perfect angel. We are existing in a reality where sometimes you'll mess up, sometimes you won't. But when you mess up, doesn't define your whole character. So I kind of like the fact that, you know, in this particular life, yes, she messed up and she wasn't perfect. But that didn't take away from the fact that she then came to the realization that, oh, it's okay that I'm not this perfect angel that doesn't make any mistakes at all. I'm allowed to, you know, not, not even be like the worst version of herself, but be the version herself that she needed in order to overcome the challenges in that particular life. Because even yeah. in the other ones where she was happier, she still had struggles. Like, you can't escape the struggles. And I think she had to realize that, um, not just with her, but her daughter too, that there's no such thing as perfection. And unfortunately, like, yeah, you're going to, both are going to mess up. Like, her, the mother was messing up. She was messing up. The daughter was, everyone had made mistakes. But that's okay because mistakes happen. And I was actually listening to a, um, uh, uh, a YouTube video from... This, the school of thought, I think it's called something like that. About no, it was actually a TED talk about pessimism, something like that. And the guy was pretty much like, there was this old philosophy on like, when you wake up in the morning, eat a turtle's head, because you know that there'll be nothing that disgusting for the rest of the day. So you got like the the most disgusting thing out of the way. So it's kind of like if you do something really embarrassing in the morning, like you go on the train and you slip on a banana, that's gonna be the worst thing that happens that day. So you can move through the rest of your day without too much anxiety weighing over you about oh my god did i make a mistake da, 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 da. and that's kind of like a movie like that helps me because it's like okay when you're someone who's suffering from anxiety and think like oh my god if i talk too loud i'm gonna talk over this person and stuff like that no one's gonna remember half the things you did like everyone's going on with their own life and yeah that reminds yeah. me of um something i saw where it's kind of like I don't know if you do this but sometimes you think about something embarrassing you did and you start to like cringe a little bit all the time yeah how often do you remember someone else's embarrassing moment? Like, if it was embarrassing to you, do you truly remember all that often? Or does it kind of fade away over time? So when you think about an embarrassing moment from like 10 years ago or six years ago, it's like, okay, I remember that for myself. But if I think back to someone else's embarrassing moment from six years ago, I can't really recall anything. So that's kind of like how, like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, it kind of doesn't matter. Um, and you But that's not a bad thing. Yeah, and it's not a bad thing. You get to choose what matters to you. And mm -hmm. I loved that, you know, the whole thing was like, kill Jobu Dubaki, kill Jobu Dubaki. And instead of, once the mother realized it was her daughter, she was like, the father was, the grandfather was like, I can kill you. That's fine. But she was like, you know what? What if instead of killing you, I just become more like you? Mm -hmm. And again, they're already similar in their own reality. And that's something that the mother doesn't like. But in this time, she's like, no, I'll just become like you in every reality. I'll make it so that I'm experiencing, again, everything all at once, too. And maybe then we can find an understanding. And for a moment there, the mom was giving in to that nihilism, too. She was kind of like, yeah, you're right. Nothing does matter. And then she was like, no, you know what? That's not right. It, being here with you is what matters. So, like, yeah, maybe the grand scheme of things, nothing matters. But I'm choosing that. Being here with you, being here with your father, being here with the, all of these people this is what matters to me. And the daughter, even herself, wanted to reject that. And I feel like that comes from a place of like, 
like she said, where it's like, we're happy right now, but this won't last. And I feel like that's a very common thing to say because people always like, you're sad in the moment, but the sadness, you know, won't last or whatever. But it's also mm-hmm. easy to feel like, okay, but if I feel sad all the time and I have like one happy moment, to me, it feels like the happiness won't last. I feel like the happiness yeah. is temporary as opposed to the sadness being temporary. Mm-hmm. It feels like the sadness is going to be there forever kind of thing. Or it's like, yeah. it's really good for a little bit and then it's really, really bad. So I thought that was like an interesting train of thought, but then the daughter ended up embracing that idea of being there. Like the scene with the rocks, I'm like, this is so yeah. great that it's like, it turns around and it has like the googly eyes that the dad was putting everywhere. And it just shows like, I will follow you to wherever. Literally the rock chasing her, you. yeah. Yeah. I think that was just so, I, don't know, I think the whole thing just like, their relationship, I think, made the movie so much more poignant. I also think, like, even this kind of going to a different relationship, but the scene with the um, husband where she was a superstar and she, like, met him randomly in the street, that was very cinematically kind of, like, going calling back to, like, Juan Carwai kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Juan Carwai, definitely. Yeah. Um, but when he was, like, in another universe, I would be happy doing laundry with you. I was mm-hmm. like, see, give me that over the I love you in every universe. I like that yeah, exactly. version better than Doctor Strange. But, um, same, same. It was just like, it's such a good, like, shows like, okay, yeah, she thinks this is perfect, but he would be happy anywhere with her. And I think that's when she, like, also learned to appreciate him and how she was like, I'm going to embrace his style of fighting people, which is killing them with kindness, essentially, mm-hmm. as opposed to... Um, my style, which in her case would have been fighting them even more. So, like the whole raccoon scene. How does a movie like a, a raccoon on a head, you know, yeah. making people emotional? That was it was a good scene. It was like a good little bit that was happening there, and it was funny because they introduced it way earlier when she just didn't know the name of raccoon. It's just like a joke, yeah. It was just a joke, and then it comes back and raccoon, it's like actually a raccoon on this yeah. guy's head doing hibachi, but he has like an actual close relationship with it. So, when it's taken away by pest control, you're like. Give him back his raccoon, man. That's his friend. Exactly. You know? You're rooting for them to have to read to to reconnect their relationship. It's like, oh my why am I rooting for a, a raccoon in a man's hat and yeah. the chef? Like, I don't I don't know. And I feel like this movie also like perfectly balanced like humor, but also that seriousness. Yeah. Because there was I can't remember what song it was, because I haven't seen it in a while, but there was like one scene where they're like recording a song. I'm like, this is funny. Or when you see her um her tax awards and you realize what it is you're like oh this is definitely gonna come back and play later on and it when it did it's like oh this is ridiculous like what is happening here and like just the way they have to get to other universes by like stapling something on your forehead or chewing gum it's like you're finding ways to make things ridiculous but also like when it's poignant it works so well and i feel like Mm -hmm. that's a hard balance to find yeah no, I definitely agree. The um, to balance humor with such a a unique form of storytelling, where, like you said, it was about pessimism, but they also had a hint of optimism. They had to utilize comedy to keep the, you know, to keep you engaged in that way because it's such a ridiculous t- con- topic that if it was too serious, it would have been like, okay, this is ridiculous. But it's like, oh, the bagel. That with everything on it, literally everything on it, it's like it's such a ridiculous topic, but that's kind of what makes it poignant. I think that's I think that's why it works that it was a bagel because like literally it's like this isn't everything big. When you think of everything big, you know you think onion, sesame seeds, yeah. blah blah blah. 
they're like, no, you're putting your hurt, you're putting your aspirations, you're putting literally everything you can on this bagel. Yep. And you're saying, this doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to go into this bagel mm-hmm. and I just don't have to exist. I don't have to worry about anything. And sometimes it kind of feels like going into the abyss. Like, I just, I'm free from yeah. this realm. Which I whatever. get. It's like, that was another thing about it. It was like, was were they wrong for trying to stop the daughter for trying to take the path that she was choosing to take? At the point when the mother in the end was like, fine, go do it. But then she was able to like talk her out of it by allowing her to choose her own path. As opposed to like forcing her to continue on literally suffering with every like I, the concept of literally having to exist in every single reality is all the time. All the time, all at once. Yeah. That's a ridiculous like amount of pressure on you. So I get why she wanted to do what she wanted to do. But I kind of appreciated the fact that it was like we're not going to vilify you for making this decision, but by allowing her to decide to make that decision, she then was able to come around and understand why her mother was doing what she was doing or the the level of, um, I guess, it was hard, but there's still value in aspects of life other than just the suffering that she was experiencing. Because, you know, like we both hate toxic positivity. And I think that this movie was kind of the opposite of toxic positivity while giving a similar message to toxic positivity. But it was just in a lot more of an approachable t- way that, yo, sometimes you need a dab of nihilism in order for the message to fully hit. Because if it's yeah. just like, you know, we watch, watch a lot of like Avengers movies and stuff like that where it's like a lot of positivity and bright colors and stuff like that. Sometimes you need something that's a little bit more subdued and it's like, oh, you feel bad? Okay like that that's okay there's nothing wrong with that so what's the next step as opposed to just being like oh fight through it you get thug through it um mm-hmm. be like hulk be like spider-man i don't know hulk's not the example be like captain america be like spider-man yeah, be like, hulk these people. like I'm, i feel bad and i'm gonna say the hulk like, yeah exactly forever but um, that's why i kind of think why the movie spoke to me like i, I could i think i don't always ever say movies like one of my favorite movies ever but this is one of those movies where i said what i was done watching i was like this is an experience i'm not gonna forget similar to i had with um um, into the Spider-Verse. You know, you, you watch that movie, you're like, oh, this is one of those movies. That's kind of how yeah. I feel about everything, everywhere all at once. I was done with that. I was like, this is one of those movies. Now I need to give it to multiple watches because all my favorite movies are movies I can watch nonstop. Like, Mean Girls is a movie I can watch nonstop. Um, Mad Max Fury Road is a movie I can watch nonstop. Um, into the Spider-Verse is a movie I can watch nonstop. So I'm going to watch it again to see how I receive it on the second watch. Um... The pacing is a little bit different than those movies because it's like it starts slow, it ramps up, then it kind of eases back into reality. Mm-hmm. So I do want to see how the pacing works on the second time, but I definitely still really, really enjoy it. I think for me, when I saw it the second time, I liked it just as much as I did on the first time. Maybe a little bit more because I had a headache the first time I was watching it, but I definitely liked it just as much um, the second time around. And I agree with like, your point about um the whole nihilism or not the nihilism but the whole i think letting her go aspect of it um Mm -hmm. i think that just made it so much better like when the mother gave her final monologue it's kind of like now the daughter's choosing again like you said her own path she's saying like you can go you can do this if that's what you really want but also just know we're here and i feel like that's like something that is important i guess in parents is kind of like letting your child know like eventually you know and it's kind of like an, a, 
relationship between two adults in this movie. Like, yeah, she's still a daughter, yeah, or whatever, but she's also an adult. Um, so it's kind of like, okay, I'm letting you go. You can choose your path now, but I hope you don't choose this path, but I'm still giving you the agency to fully decide if you want to go, if you want to go into the abyss, if you're tired of everything, just, you know, go ahead. But also, this is an option as well, and I like that yeah. aspect of it. No, I agree with that, too. I think that was a really good um component to the movie is choice and you know different ways to deal with relationships and then that particular mother-daughter relationship it worked out really well don't, let me not say really well it worked out it worked out in a mature realistic way whereas like we might not see eye to eye but because even in the end of the movie she's still gonna be she still might be like you're fat <laughs> like you're getting fat like she still might do her things because that's what she grew up culturally and that's just how she is but it's still they were still able to read to re, what's the word i'm looking for to to repair some of their relationship and move on to a better place than when they were when the movie started but one yeah, thing i was we, confused about oh, oh finish your thought i had another question yeah um and that's something i i got in the movie because i feel like that's something you know people in a lot of cultures do where they'll kind of insult you as a way to say like they love you or whatever but i also feel like that's like another like the way the daughter explained it to the mom, it was kind of like she got it, but also you could tell it hurt her, you know? And I feel like that's another thing where it's kind of like you have to grow away from that. Like, yes, maybe your dad did that to you or your mom did that to you, but also you don't have to do that to your child. Just straight up say, I love you. That's satisfactory. So it's kind of like if someone's constantly calling you fat or if someone's constantly insulting you as a way to say they love you, you start that's to internalize to that. Yeah. Yeah, like, so now I believe I'm fat, or so now I believe I need to do this. And it's kind of like, that hurts, and the person saying it to you might be like, well, I'm just telling them I love them. But it's mm-hmm. like, no, you're still chipping away at my self-esteem by doing that. So I think that There's was like another aspect it. of yeah. it. There's better ways of communicating. And, the, and I also like, though, that they showed at the end that, yeah, this experience didn't completely change the mom, though, because she still says to um, the daughter's girlfriend, to Becky, you need a, um, what'd she say? You what, need to grow your hair out or something like that. Oh, so yeah, kind of like, yeah, yeah. So she didn't completely change her ways, which I appreciate because obviously, like, one experience, I mean, obviously one very, you know, unique experience that you probably will never experience again, but one experience won't completely change who you are because mm-hmm. the mother's been like that for, what, 50-something years, so. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. I think that, um, that's why I said it's a realistic change. It's not like she's a different person. It's just gradual. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's growth that you see and you know that it's going to be, you know that like after the movie ends, the story continues and her growth might be rocky, but she still took a step forward in this small, well, I would say small part of her life, but she literally goes from just a single person to everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know what I'm saying? Like uh, this portion of her life, like if you took out the um, sci-fi aspect, you still have a very compelling mother daughter story here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes the movie great. It's like if you removed all of the high fantasy, the high concept sci-fi Rick and Roll, like they say Rick and Morty, you still have a really good concept. And that's what I definitely yeah. appreciated most about the movie. But one thing I was confused about, was the daughter always Jojo Chewbacca? Like, was did she always know or did she just only know after she took over her body? I think she, after she found after her. she took over her body. Yeah, after she okay. found her. Because she wasn't, remember, she was trying to figure out what universe they were sending her. Mm-hmm. Things. I think she's kind of technically always jo- Joju Dubaki, Jobu Dubaki, mm-hmm. but she can kind of choose Which when to travel to into yeah. Wabadi, yeah. 
And I also think that um, if you think about it, like, I guess across the multiverse, again, and she, obviously Joy doesn't exist in every multiverse because, again, in, like, the most, uh, universe where she has hot dog fingers or the universe where she's a superstar, the mother, she, she never gets married, so... Or she never gets married to that husband, so then Joy probably just doesn't exist in that universe. Yeah. But I don't think she became Jobu Dubaki until she was in a, more of an adult or close to an adult yeah. because her mother was doing that testing or whatever on her that ended up breaking her, and that's how she could end up traveling into yeah. multiple bodies. Okay, I'm not going to ask too many questions about the multiverse stuff because, you know, multiverse stuff gets confusing in general. Yeah. But is it, like, all one timeline? <laughs> like, is it all on a parallel timeline where... Each body she jumps into, she'll be that age at that moment. You know what I'm saying? I think Like, she so. can't jump back into a younger version of herself. Or I mean, older I version of herself. You see what I'm saying? So. Like, it's too, yeah, yeah, I think it's just, like, a linear, like, you can jump into any version of yourself that currently exists. But I don't know if you on can jump into, like, future versions of yourself. I mean, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Or past okay. versions of yourself. I think it's only probably the versions of yourself that are existing at that very moment. moment. No, I assumed as much. I just wanted to be sure I wasn't bugging with how I was thinking about it. But you get what I'm saying though, right? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, um other than that, I just really love the movie. Like I just one of my favorite movies ever probably, maybe. I gotta watch it again before I give anything definitive, but I definitely really enjoyed it. Same. Um I definitely think it's probably up there um on my favorites of this year probably will be my favorite. I currently don't see anything topping it. Um, and probably like my favorites of all time. I just, I don't know. I think just the way they, again, were able to blend the humor, a blend like the idea of like this generational trauma. We didn't talk too much about the grandfather, but you can tell that how she was mothering came from the fact that she didn't seem to be parented quite well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and how that kind of passed down onto her relationship with her daughter and then how she ended up treating her husband, how she became like more pessimistic as she got older and how the daughter literally was just, you know, already probably pretty sad prior to realizing that she was Jobu Dabaki. But then once realizing that, just kind of giving in to this nihilistic idea. And it just worked. Like, as a movie... Everything just works so well. And again, I do think it's like one of my favorite portrayals of like a mother-daughter relationship in a movie. Because I feel like a lot of movies just give you kind of maybe some conflict, but like, you know, very happy-go-lucky relationships. And I feel like this one did a good job of giving you a very complex mother-daughter relationship, especially from like a generational level because I feel like that's a big thing especially when it comes to again I don't use the term often but people of color yeah Um, I agree because I feel like you know every group has their own distinct things and I feel like someone who's an immigrant especially like a Chinese immigrant probably relates to this movie on a different level than we do but we can still relate to a lot of what's happening in it you know I definitely agree with that I definitely think that makes the movie more poignant is that the message I would, nothing's universal because everyone has a different story but mm-hmm. the message and the themes are very wide reaching even if the particulars of it exist more in a microcosm as far as like chinese culture immigrant culture and stuff like that we can all understand the the struggles of you know aging and creating your own path and having to 
separate and grow from traumas, no matter like how small they may seem, they still can exist as traumas and growing from that and becoming your own person, essentially. Yeah. All right. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, watch Infinity Train. <laughs> uh, yeah, Infinity Train. Like, it's not similar, but it's just like shows that exist within a different reality and very personal stories. Um, I think it, it it pairs well. They're not the same, but I think it pairs well with everything, everywhere, all at once. In that sense, because the train is all about teaching you overcoming trauma and you know becoming your own person da, da, da. so i think it pairs well with this movie like it was an accident that we just happened to talk about both of them but it pairs well with it all right remember to rate review and subscribe um anywhere you get your podcast bye <laughs>